Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Stop fighting. Dan, stop fighting. Daniel Mark Salofra, stop fighting. Stop it now. But then when I went to school, it was, Mr. Salofra, please do not fight at school. And so from a very young age, I was taught that fighting is bad. You don't want to fight. You don't want to do that. And then, as, as I got older and I went to a Christian school, then they even brought Jesus into it. Jesus doesn't want you fighting, Dan, because Jesus says, if someone hits you on the right cheek, turn to him the left also. Don't fight, be a punching bag. That was the, that was the message I got. And then, and then they told me, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So Dan, stop fighting. Make your enemies your friends. That's my brother, and he's not my friend. He's my brother. So I'm going to fight him instead. And then, when Jesus, the day before he died, was with his disciples in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and soldiers came, Peter came, and he wanted to fight. And so he took a sword and he cut someone's ear off, one of my favorite stories, as a kid. And what did Jesus tell him? Don't fight. Whoever lives by the sword will die by the sword. And so growing up, maybe with a little bit of a temper, maybe with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, I was repeatedly told not to fight. But as I read more and more of the Bible, what I realize is Jesus is a fighter. And Jesus is not afraid of conflict. Maybe what my mom should have said to be more clear was, do not hit the person that you're having a disagreement with. Maybe what she could have said is, Dan, use your words, or, or something like that. Or, stop yelling. Stop arguing. Maybe try to have a, a civil conversation. Maybe try to get a clear understanding of even what you're talking about. Because today, as we talk about conflict, I want you to think for a moment about the conflict Jesus was in, that as you read the Gospels, and, and Jesus as a very loving person, Jesus was faced with conflict almost, if not every day. Almost every day. And, and so when you, you look at it, it, Jesus didn't back down. Jesus didn't roll over. There were times when I wish maybe he would have punched the Pharisee in the face, but he didn't that he used words instead. And so there were times when he would have a conflict over very important subjects, like the Sabbath day and what it means to rest with God. And, and the conflict, it, it just came around on different days. It came around people who were sick and, and the people there did not want him to heal anyone on the Sabbath day. 
Did Jesus go, okay, I don't want to get you upset. I don't want to start an argument on the Sabbath day. No, Jesus probed. He's like, okay, we have a disagreement here. Let's talk about it. Let's lay it out on the table right now. Is it right to do good on the Sabbath or to do bad on the Sabbath? And then they wouldn't answer him. He's like, really? We're go- you're going this route? You're going to question me? I'm going to engage you to try to come with the conflict and you're going to say nothing? And they lost an opportunity. They lost an opportunity to learn. They lost an opportunity to have a conflict that would help them come to a better understanding of God, a better understanding of the Sabbath day, and a better understanding of why Jesus was there in the first place. There were a number of times he did that, but on this day was a man with a shriveled hand. I know what they were thinking. He's he's got a shriveled hand. It's the Sabbath day. Even if he heal it today, he can't use it because he has to rest. Just wait till tomorrow. But Jesus didn't. And, and look, look as you read throughout the Bible, the conflicts Jesus had that he did not back away from. The conflicts about marriage. The conflict, as they, they talked about divorce, they talked about marriage, how long God wanted it to last. And Jesus engaged. He's like, if you want to have this conversation, let's have it right now and let's be very clear about it. You want to talk about taxes? I'll talk about taxes. If you want to talk about offerings? I'll talk about offerings. If you want to talk about what God deserves from you? Yeah, let's have at it right now. I get it. It can be a sensitive subject, but let's deal with it. I think growing up, I had a misunderstanding of Jesus by being told not to fight. And what, what maybe I, I should have been told, and maybe what I should have told my kids as well, Dan, you need to learn how to fight. You need to learn how to have a positive fight that is worth it, that, that recognizes that you are not enemies, but there is an issue that needs to be discussed. Today, as we, we look at this at the power of conflict, I'm going to beg you, beg you to have conflict in your life. And the reason why is because as I have been a pastor for 25 years, because of an unwillingness to have conflict, I have seen people lose their families, their marriages, and even their faith because they were not willing to fight for it, and, and to be honest about it in their discussion of it. We are going to go into Ephesians, and, and we're going to be encouraged to have positive conflict and to see the power of it. And we'll start this, even, even as I give this definition of conflict, and this is just from the dictionary. Conflict. Conflict is the clash of interests in a relationship often involving antagonism or hostility. So that makes me want to be non-confrontational because what I don't like, if you're like me, I don't like antagonism and I can live without drama and hostility. But as we look at this, I want you to think of it this way. The clash of interests in a relationship often involving love and forgiveness. 
That's our new definition. That is the Christian definition. That is the definition of taking positive conflict, of, of willing, being willing to fight for things that matter and make a difference in our lives. We begin. We go to Ephesians 4, 17 to 19. And as we see the conflict in which we are in in our lives. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as Gentiles do. In case you, you don't know the word Gentile, is, Gentile means a, a non-Jew. So, so he's telling them as people who believe and, and that were Jewish individuals that you're not supposed to live, maybe a better way we would say it now is, is don't live like people who don't believe in Jesus live. Okay, so don't live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed." Let's do the fill-in first, and then we can go back through that verse and, and unpack it a little bit. So, first of all, the conflict that you are going to have is with the world. Conflict with the world. It is the conflict of good versus evil. When this battle is not fought, when you are not willing to fight the good versus evil battle, evil always wins. What is the quote? In order for evil to win, good men simply need to do nothing. Nothing. Just don't do anything. Don't do anything when, when evil is being done. Just take a step back and, and leave it alone. Don't get involved. Not my problem. Evil is going to win. Now, as we go back to the, these verses, we realize what the issue is, and it's talking about a life separated from God. And when you have a life separated from God, what you are going to have is a, a life that is self-centered. And, and probably the very end of it, it says, when they are full of greed, that's probably the best way to describe a life that's separate from God, is that it's all about me. If God is not a part of my life, I am going to do things all of the time that are just for me. And I might do nice things for other people. But the reason why I do nice things for other people is it makes me feel good about myself. Or, or the reason why I'm, I'm willing to do things for my relationship or for my kids or whatever it is is because it makes me feel good. And, and what he warned about, this is an important part too, is the hardening of their hearts so, so as you think about the heart, heart getting harder and harder, that it, it starts to maybe hate, and then at some point, I think the hardest heart just stops caring. Just stops caring about anyone or anything. And then what happens is they lose all sensitivity. The loss of sensitivity is when you feel nothing. And then they engage, then the, the sinful nature engages in sensuality, meaning I'm going to try to get things from my senses that are going to make me feel good about myself. And that is where an example of this would be like with alcohol. That, that as you have alcohol, and if you consume it day after day, you begin to lose your sensitivity to alcohol. 
which means you can drink more and more than you did before and you're not getting the feeling that you did before. And so what you do is you go more and more and more. And, and maybe if you started with beer, beer's over, now we're going to the harder stuff and we're going with, with more and more. But the problem is, is the more you, you lose the sensitivity, your senses are dull and, and you can't even enjoy that. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be alcohol or drugs. It can be anything. Anything that you try to do to get more and more to make yourself feel better, you are fighting a losing battle. You are futile in your thinking and you are going in the direct opposite of where God is having us go. The encouragement here today for you is at the very beginning. In this conflict with the world, You cannot live that way. So the first part of this with the conflict isn't, you don't have, he's not even necessarily saying to say anything. He's just saying, don't live that way. And that is how we become a light in the world. How you let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. That's what he's talking about here. We are talking about this conflict with the world that will be seen simply by the way that you live. The next verse is Ephesians 4, 20 to 24, another conflict. This, however, is not the way of life you learned. So now as we look at this, that might have been where we were as part of the world, but that's not what we've learned in our relationship with God. When we heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Can you underline that portion? New in the attitudes of your minds. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And, and what we're seeing here is, is a path that, that we take that as we recognize that what the world is, is doing and the, and the path of the world, their, their way to happiness is, is no way to happiness. That, that it ends up with isolation and being self-centered and, and trying to be self-pleasing and it doesn't work. And so he said, okay, so now as we we learn about Jesus Christ and and find out that God loves us and and Jesus went to the cross and he gave himself for us, that now we begin to understand that, wow, the, the way we used to think was futile. And now as we look at this, we understand a new way to live. But it's not only the changing of our attitudes or the changing of our actions, but in this word says it's the changing of our attitudes. Where now we are going to have to fight these deceitful desires. There's the battle between the old self and the new self. The old self is the sinner inside of me, which will be here until the day that I die. And the new self is, is the person of faith inside of me. And so there's going to be confrontation inside of you every single day. Probably the best way that it's illustrated is that you have an angel on this shoulder and a devil on the other, right? And, and that's, that's the life of a Christian, is, is that we have whispering into each side, going, I should do this, I should do that, I, I should be self-centered, I should be God-centered, I, I really want this, God really wants that. 
And what we need to understand, the conflict inside of you is this, is that we have to understand that desires are deceitful. The desires that you have that come from sin are deceitful. And and that word literally means that they're two-faced. Which means, on the one hand, these desires that you have have a draw to them where you're like, this is going to make me feel good. I'm going to like this. I, I am really drawn to this. But then what happens is when you do that, it's two-faced and it turns on you. And something that you thought you really wanted and you're going to embrace now is something that is destroying your life. The conflict is inside of you. The conflict is this fight. It's a battle for your soul inside of you with God's word, with the Holy Spirit working with you. You have got to fight yourself. And the way that you do that is on a daily basis confessing sin. Lord, this this desire I have that you've pointed out is deceitful. It's wrong. It's sinful. It's harmful. That's the first part. The second part is to say, and this is in my heart. Lord, this is, this is something I really want and I know what is bad and I know it's bad for me. And the Lord through his word and through his love and kindness changes our minds, changes our hearts, changes our thoughts and attitudes. In the blank you can write, conflict with myself. I need to face and expose the sin nature inside of myself. On a daily basis, turn that light on. Clean house, clean house in your heart. This might be the hardest conflict we have, the ability to tell ourselves no. There's more conflict. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So now we have a conflict that's going to be with other other Christians. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Let's do the fill-in. Conflict with my Christ family. Facing issues and speaking truthfully dislodges Satan's footings in my heart. Speak truthfully to your neighbor and and speak truthfully in love. Now, Stephen talked about it when he he did the confession of how Satan can get a foothold. And and I I wrote down a a number of different things. When you're not ready to have a conflict with someone else, these are some of the things I heard. I already said, I don't like conflict. I don't do conflict. I'm non-confrontational. That in a situation where, where someone has hurt you or things like that, you can say nothing. You cannot say what you really mean. You can tell them what you think they want to hear. You can let it go. You can let it work itself out or not deal with it. However you, however you want to say it, that I am telling you right here, right in this issue, this is one where, where being passive is so wrong that you have have got to understand this and and what happens what i see in this situation is people who who do this of which i happen to be one 
what you do is you let it go, let it go, let it go until you can't let it go anymore. And when this happens with people who are unwilling to fight, people who are unwilling to put issues on the table, people who are unwilling to speak truthfully to others, that one day you, you show up at home and your spouse says, I'm out. That eight years in, 10 years into a marriage you thought was great, they're done with. And, and the reason why? It, it finally got to a point, I'm not gonna fight. The devil not, didn't just get a foothold. But, but if you think of mountain climbing, the, you have the, the foothold, and then what do you call those spikes they put in when they pound them in? They're called pitons. I know that. I looked it up just so I could tell you what they were. <laughs> That's what they're called. The, the spikes that they hammer in, and then you put those clips on. What are those called? Carabiners, yeah. I tell you, I, I want you to, to think about two pictures in your mind. I want you to think about a, a little kid hanging from the monkey bars just by his hands, or maybe if you've ever had someone hanging on a rope, how hard is it to get them down? It's easy. All you got to do is pull. That if, or just wrap your, your weight around them and, and hug, hug them and then just get your feet off the ground, they'll be on the ground with you within seconds. But now I want you to think if you have someone like that who just has their foot, who's holding on but has their foot just next to it holding on. That's a whole different ball game. Once the foothold is there, this is now going to be a battle. And when this goes on for years, this is Satan pounding in his spikes, clicking on, and to dislodge him from that type of anger and bitterness in your heart is going to take repeated efforts. It is not going to just go away. You might never get him out. That is why this is so important as, as we think about this, why it's so important to tell people the truth, why it's so important to have confrontation in a relationship. And some of you, as you hear this, it's okay to be afraid because you've tried this before. I've tried being confrontational. Yeah, I, excuse my pessimism, and the reason why I say that is because I've fought my whole life. I'm kind of an expert in it. And, and I, for my lifetime, have been a, a good fighter who, who's trying to win, which is, means to get my own way, which means to be the greedy one, to be the, the part of the world that God told me not to be like. But perhaps as we look at what God wants us to be and how we have this confrontation, this isn't about winning. We, we're in situations when we fight like that, when we speak truthfully but not in love, we get into lose-lose scenarios. The next verses help us to understand more. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Last week, Pastor Jeff talked about the power of words. So the first part of this is as you have the confrontation, watch your mouth. Watch the words that come out because they, are, they can be brutal. But only what is helpful, they can also be constructive. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, 
that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I have seen people in relationships, in marriages, in in friendships gone sour, in church relationships, who are grieving, who are so sad. And I would argue that God is more sad in those relationships than you are. The Holy Spirit is more grieved in them because he has given you the power to do something about it and nothing is being done but unwholesome words. And, and instead of having positive conflict, just venom coming out of our mouths. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Life and death is on the line, spiritual life and death. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. That describes perfectly Dan Salofer, the fighter. I have taken sarcasm to an art form. And, and with my words, just like that, to be able to get underneath people's armor, to, to get to a situation where people have told me, Dan, I don't even know when you're telling me the truth. That is not a good place to be. And, and it is a, a place where you are using words as weapon and doing so much damage. But instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. In the blank, you can write, the power of conflict, remember the rules of engagement. Remember the rules of engagement. I can build up and forgive, and I am built up and forgiven. So, so as we look at this, there's going to be mutual benefit. For the person I'm speaking to, this is going to be an opportunity to build them up and forgive them. And when they speak back to me, because I'm going to say maybe over half the time, I'm the one who needs forgiveness. I'm the one who needs to be pointed out where I have been wrong. So first of all, the rules of engagement. This, this, is, this, this is important. Get your pens out. And listen to this, because this is going to be as practical advice as you're going to get on conflict resolution. Number one, I'm going to give credit to this to Jeff Gunn, my dear friend, who when I came to Crosswalk and I was a fighter, I was not a good fighter. Well, I was very good in the wrong way. And I remember him telling me this repeatedly, Dan, whenever I'm in an argument with you, I feel like I'm in a tennis match. You're trying to hit it past me. My point, I win. And, and, and he's like, can we not play tennis against each other? Can we please play soccer with each other? I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> soccer? Anyways, and, 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 he, and he said, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play the ball to you in a way that you can receive it and then you kick it back to me. Let's try it. <laughs> and, and so what happened is we, we, first of all, when we would discuss, we would have a common goal. What is the goal we have here today? The goal we have is to be a church for the unchurched and share as, with as many people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can we agree on that goal? Yeah, all right. Now let's have at it. Let's, let's, let's score. Let's move the ball down the field. This is so important Let's have a conversation. And it's when I first began to have these, to begin to understand the power of positive conflict. 
And I had to trust him enough to know that he wanted that goal too, not just his own way. Second tool, second tool, tool number two is the, the wish, the wish tool, if you want to call it that. And, and this is something, especially in couples, but you can do it, you can do it in any situation. And it's actually a listening exercise. And what each person does is they say, this is my wish and this is why I want my wish. And the other person's not allowed to disagree with their wish, to say that's stupid or anything like that. Their job is to simply say, so what I hear you saying is, this is your wish and this is what you want. And so an example of this would be in a marriage situation uh, that I just, just had a month ago or something like that. It was the, the wife saying, I wish you were not on the road as much and that you were home more because it makes me feel closer to you when we're together. I'm gonna, you know what happened during the middle of that wish? Well, my job's on the road. What do you want me to do? What do you... I'm like, oh, no, that's not... The, the game isn't to say why it's not going to work. The goal is to, to listen to the, what she's saying behind it. And what is she saying to you? She wants to be closer to you. She feels separated from you. That's what she wants. Well, then, you know, it was his turn. Okay, I got to check how many young kids are in here. Because you know what his wish was. <laughs> his wish was to be more intimate with her on a more regular basis. And why? Because that makes me, want, it makes me feel closer to you. That's when she said, well, if you were home more, maybe we would be more intimate instead of you every time you seeing me just... I'm like, that's not the, this is not the, the tool. And in the midst of it, do you see how quickly conflict can turn sideways? And, and first of all, just be, being able to listen, not only to what is said, but also the common goal was there. That, and this is where we arrived, where they realized they both had the common goal. We want to be closer to each other. And we've been coming at it from different ways. How can we work together for a common goal? The second, or third one, this is the third. So first of all, it's not a tennis match, it's soccer. Number two is wish and listen, and that's it. And the third one is this, is that when you have an issue and there's a conflict, make a list of 10 possible resolutions of it. 10 of them. And of those 10, usually the first two are going to be my way and then her way, which, okay, so it, that's, but then what you do is you start adding other things. So, so an example of this was in, in marriage counseling was the couple was going to get married. He lived downtown. She lived out in the suburbs about 15 miles away. He wanted to live at his place because he could walk and bike to work. She wanted to live in her house because she owned it and, and thought it would just, that's just what she thought would always happen. So, the deal is, is they're looking at either one or the other. And normally in marriages, what happens is these are the two options. Live in this crappy marriage or get divorced. 
And when you look at two options that way, you're like, who wants to live this way for the rest of their lives? And the answer is no one. And I understand why people do that. The problem is that there are simply two different things. And we're not looking at 10. In this one, it was kind of funny. They, they said, well, we could live there. Those were the first two. We could buy a, a house halfway in between. Uh, we could try downtown and rent out the house. And then as they were running out of op- options, they said, well, we could move back in with our parents. We could get a motor home. We could live in a cardboard box. And all of a sudden when they did that, what they realized was there were a lot of worse options <laughs> that, that then maybe in working with their spouse on what they would do together. Rules of engagement. Rules of engagement are so important. It's when they, you get in a boxing ring, there are very clear rules. There's some hard hitting, but there's rules. And as we do that, and as we gather around people we love, there are rules as well. And the rules are be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. An umbrella of grace goes up around us and over us and over our conflict. And, and the goal is not to win for me to get my way, but the goal is a win-win as we forgive and love one another, as the relationship grows and it becomes less about my way and more about the developing of a relationship. The final words are from Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In your relationship, the power of conflict is realized fully when your eyes are on Christ. That as we look at his sacrifice and what he has given up to have a relationship with you, gave it all up. Because that relationship was so important. And this is a God who, and, and this is our Savior, who's not afraid of conflict. This, this is a God who loves us enough to give us his word to be very clear with expectation in the relationship of the love that we must have in this relationship for God and the love that we also will have for one another. So don't, so don't be looking at this as the Savior who roll, just rolls over and gets us whatever we want but someone who on a daily basis loves us enough to have conflict, to call us to repentance, to point out sin in our lives and offer that forgiveness that he has won for us by his sacrifice. And as we do that, that's gonna be the challenge for you today. In whatever relationship, whatever, uh, whether it be in a marriage, a friendship, or whatever it is, stop not saying anything. It's the power of conflict. It's the power of positive conflict. And and the beauty of it at the end is I enjoy and share the love of Jesus personally, that that my relationship with my, my Savior is strengthened, and I become an agent of positive change. I become an agent of positive change. I'm going to just say this one more time. I, I just think this is so important. I'm, I've been married for 27 years, 27 and a half, going on 28 years. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, you're going to boo now, so be ready. And there are still times when I don't trust my wife enough to tell her the truth. I don't have... <laughs> and, and as we look at this, it, it's, and I don't know if it's because I don't trust her love for me. I don't know if it's because I don't trust that she's going to forgive me. I don't know if it's just because I know she doesn't want to hear it. I don't know. But all of those are, are fears that have driven my behavior and, and, and what has also taken place is then when we, the only times we have conflict then is when we're both upset. And, and this encouragement is, is to do this on a daily basis, to create space in relationships with people you love and care about, to create space, to set times to play soccer together, to talk about what are the common goals that we have, what are, where are we going and then to work it back and forth, to, to begin to trust one another with the ball, to pass it back and forth, that when I pass it, I'm going to get it back. That is how trust is built as you share your wishes, your dreams, and, and you begin to work on this in a relationship. You are loved and forgiven by Jesus Christ. The people that you deal with are loved and forgiven by Jesus Christ. And now as you go in conflict, make it positive. Make it positive conflict, working to love and forgive. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth. We thank you that you challenge us in our relationship with you, that you speak, that we don't have to guess what is on your mind, but you're very direct, both about expectation and about your love. Thank you, Lord. We, we do need forgiveness and and, and that, as we have that love, it allows us to be honest, first of all, with you as we come forward and, and confess our, our evil desires, our deceitful desires, that, that two-faced desires that, that on the one part we want and, and on the other part they hurt us. But Lord, we ask that you would change our, not only our actions, but our attitudes as well. Help us to live in love as we are loved and help us to... to, to take conflict, to fight with loving rules with the goal of forgiveness and restoration. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. I got some good news and I got some bad news. Bad news is there's only one more week left of lasting love. The good news is there's still one more week left of lasting love. So come back here next week as we look at the power of unity. Again, ways that God gives us to, to build up these relationships and make this love truly lasting. And as you go, go with his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Have a great day.